This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking to adult industry writer Michael McGrady. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website at adultsitebroker.com. We've added some enhancements to the site, such as FAQs and a complete new platform. The look and feel of the new site are nice and up-to-date. The new site also has links to our marketplace and affiliate program. Plus, don't forget ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or as a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale one of the most famous affiliate programs in the adult industry. They're a subscription-based dating, adult social network, and CAMS program with exclusive ownership of custom-developed websites and offers in straight, gay, hardcore, and mainstream niches. They've been a prominent and sustainable affiliate program for 18 years. The company has weathered countless industry changes and regulations and has always paid its affiliates well and on time. This includes the entire affiliate database with historical performance data, plus the email list with 6.4 million active addresses. The technical platform has recently been rewritten and is modular-based and built for scale. The entire system is hosted in the cloud, which allows for easy third-party integrations, scalability, and cost optimization. With a focus on billing optimization, traffic monetization, and risk mitigation, the business intelligence system and team have been designed to maximize lifetime value and build a sustainable and long-term stream of passive income. There's a full technical infrastructure including billing load balancer, gateway integration, and call center tools with customer support and content moderation. This is a turnkey business that would allow anyone that is great at traffic acquisition to own the entire life cycle and lifetime value of the customer. It has the technical infrastructure, reputation, relationships, and systems and processes to massively scale revenue. All this for only $2.95 million U.S. dollars. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Side Broker Talk is Michael McGrady. Uh, he is a writer at Why Not. Michael, thanks for being with us today on Adult Side Broker Talk. Thanks for bringing me on, Bruce. I'm really excited. Excited to have you here. Now let's tell you a bit about Michael. He's a contributing writer to WhyNot.com, WhyNotCam.com, and WhyNot Magazine. He's worked on several news beats, including Digital Civil Liberties, Free Speech, Public Health Ethics, Drug Legalization, Harm Reduction Topics, National Security, and Other Trade Industry Topics. He's been published in Conservative, 
liberal, centrist, libertarian, and international journals and other news media outlets. These outlets include the South China Morning Post, Filter Magazine, Inside Sources, NASDAQ, The Motley Fool, The Washington Examiner, Real Clear Politics, Real Clear Policy, and Real Clear Health. So we got all our real clears out of the way. The uh, Jerusalem Post, the Denver Post, The Spectator, the Center Square Wire Service, the U.S. Today Network, and others around the world. He has higher education credentials in international relations and global public health policy. Much of his current journalism focuses on the adult entertainment industry, of course, electronic cigarettes, and harm reduction. Now, McGrady is also the founder and chief executive of the MPR Public Affairs Family of Companies and... Parahelion, I hope I pronounced that right, Creations, where he produces podcasts on varying topics like drug use, harm reduction, and the history of Christmas. So drug re- drug use, uh, for or against? Uh, definitely in favor of drug use. <laughs> I'm in Colorado, so. Well, say um, no more. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of one of those bastions of, uh, you know, drug drug libertarianism i I call it you know where no Uh one really gives a shit (laughs) (laughs) well you smoke enough pot you really don't give a shit right (laughs) yeah i am i admit i'm i'm smoking right now so (laughs) all right good good nice to have you in that state i'll take advantage of you okay (laughs) go ahead (laughs) so michael talk a little bit about what you do for the why not network Oh, all right. So um, I, I was hired uh, for for Why Not's uh, main uh, webmaster and affiliate page, WhyNot.com, uh, back in January, February, as a freelance contributor, uh, and I mainly just cover political topics and business side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just with my experience in politics and covering these uh, uh, types of industry uh, discussions, including free speech, div- digital civil liberties, and you know health rights sets workers rights you name it mm-hmm. um i just found it, it why not to be the perfect place to kind of do that it's a great publication learned so much there already and you know i've i really am grateful to be there and just engaging in the industry as i am so now you told me when we were talking casually you've been an observer kind of a voyeur as it were of our industry and our industry media for a while oh yeah very much so um I, i've read all the magazines uh, I, I subscribe to ASN, I subscribe to uh, AVN, I subscribe to SBiz. Uh, I've always read Why Not. I've always been interested in this industry. And, you know, I just thought to pull the trigger one day. And, you know, I emailed uh, my editor, at, my current editor at uh, Why Not. And, you know, within a day, he sent me a contract. And now I'm here. So, you know, it's it's been it's been fun. Can't get any easier than that. What about the industry interests you? Like I said, politics. Um really the free speech components and everything we're seeing with session 230 and mm. you know these types of uh discussions as relate to sesta fasta and uh you know sets workers rights online not to mention sets workers rights and performers rights um in real life as well so um with covid and all the shutdowns and everything like that it kind of just fit me to kind of find you know this i call it an alternative career field I like to cover, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, a lot of people, when you say, oh, I write for a porn industry publication, they think I'm writing about like films or I'm reviewing uh, content when in reality, I'm literally sure. doing what I, I did everywhere mm-hmm. um, from covering politics, interviewing politicians, 
uh, industry leaders, chambers of commerce, you know, just doing that, but, you know, engaged with that. So just really just, I like the whole concept of the politics and how this is such a very open and interesting industry. Oh, absolutely. Now this leads into my next question. You, as you mentioned, you previously did a lot of mainstream writing before. Why not? How is writing in the adult industry different? I can be, um, more boisterous. <laughs> well, you can just say, you can just say fuck in general and nobody cares. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, all these, all these, uh, crappy Republicans who just want to get rid of everyone's mm-hmm. free speech and, you know, yep. uh, you know, I just like to be more open and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't usually use profanity that often in my writing, but sometimes it's just, there have been a few pieces I've published for why not where they're pretty, they're pretty strongly worded sure. and pretty sarcastic, pretty bitchy. And I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, these, these guys need to, or the, these guys just need to get out of office or we just got to keep it strong and all that. So <laughs> yeah, maybe we can find an Island for them all, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Forget about politics. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, let's talk about your foray into covering the adult entertainment industry. How's it going so far? It's been good. Um, I've been able to do a lot in a very short time. Um, yes. I've interviewed. Um, yeah, I, uh, I started writing a series on NFTs and mm-hmm. how NFTs and blockchain are basically the future for the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I got to spend a lot of time with some wonderful performers and producers so far. And um, I've just, like I said, it's just been a fantastic experience. You know, I've never met so many professionals in an industry that, you know, you most normies, I call them most normal people wouldn't expect to be so professional because it is. And I, I just a hundred percent, hundred percent respect everyone in this industry so far that I've interacted with. And it's, it's just been a great learning experience. Like I said, um, I know I don't want to sound too green, but you know, I, I started officially covering the industry, you know, just this year. So it is, it has been a, a kind of a blessing and disguise and also a challenge, but a, a very worthwhile challenge. Okay. Now, why are you so interested in the politics surrounding the industry? Well, when you think of it, the politics, including, you know, the free speech components like section 230 and, you know, the, uh, free speech of internet users online that it, that doesn't just impact, you know, platforms, adult platforms that impacts mm-hmm. everyone. So why don't we, the way I view it is why don't we approach this from one of the most um, scrutinized industries that rely on internet freedom sure. uh, and try and make a case for everyone else to realize that, you know, we can't have uh, far left Democrats or far right Republicans trying to control what people see and what they say on the internet. Uh, obviously there are with limits. There are criminal things that we need to watch out for and we need to follow the law. But sure. the whole thing is, is that, it's it's the first amendment and uh my my religion i like to say is the first amendment so it's yeah. just I, I that's how i care about it it just everything that happens to the adult industry can happen to you know the mainstream tech industry it can happen to social media it could happen to youtubers it could happen to even like you know religious bloggers or something like that so it's it, it impacts everybody yeah and what what kind of burns me sometimes is 
the lack of awareness among the public, especially people who vote Republican, how uh, the lack of um, adherence to the First Amendment, how, how dangerous it is to everybody. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've noticed that too, especially with the rise of Trump. Um, it's just everyone, you know, that the whole thing with during the Obama administration is that conservatives and Republicans who, you know, didn't like Obama, but weren't necessarily so far right or they're centrists or something like that. Um, you know, they felt repressed because the liberal media, so to speak, had that that had their number, so to, so to speak, and mm -hmm. was censoring their messages. But, you know, same thing happened when the Republicans came into power. Yep. And now it's just, it's the same, same people, same, same bull crap on both sides where everyone's just like, well, uh, you're, you shouldn't have the right to say this, or you shouldn't mm -hmm. have the right to say this. And, you know, this feeds into the toxicity of cancel culture. It feeds into the toxicity of social media, deplatforming performers for no absolute reason. It just, it, it's all of this, it's all of this craziness mm -hmm. that um, not even just Republicans, but Democrats, uh, moderates, um, you name it, that they just, they don't, they don't think of it because, you know, yeah, porn's this, still this taboo um, field, this taboo part of society, mm -hmm. but, you know, it it's everywhere when you think about it. It's the most far-reaching industry I've ever seen. Right. And that's a good thing because it helps push conversations. Right. And, you know, we need to have these free speech conversations still, especially when it comes to controversial speech. So, yeah. And I think people take free speech for granted and they really shouldn't. I agree. Um, a lot of people um, say they're protecting free speech when in reality they're censoring just what happened with uh, the Florida social media bill. Uh, which uh, a couple of my colleagues at Why Not and you know other publications in the industry have uh, have covered, saying that you know this bill, even though it's said to protect quote unquote social media or you know political viewpoints that are not favored by certain uh, uh, technology companies or something like that, but you know it just it, it it impacts more than social media. It impacts an entire ICS, entire interactive computer service or an entire platform that meets the criteria of a quote unquote social media network mm -hmm. in these laws, including, you know, some of the largest tube sites in the space, you know, a lot of the tube sites have social media functions and, um, you know, we have OnlyFans now, which is completely uh, a premium social media yeah. and not to mention just all the other premium platforms um, where people can interact. Yeah. I mean, not to mention everything that's happened with net neutrality in the last administration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, uh, I, well, as we're recording this, um, I just got a uh, article out yeah, for why that. not on, yeah, for the net neutrality mm -hmm. uh, EO from uh, President Biden, the executive order. He's asking the FCC to reinstate net neutrality, but he can't really do that until he appoints, you know, the next Democratic member. Right. of the FCC because it's still, still two to two and yep. you, know, you got to have three to, uh, you have to have a simple majority to pass regulation on that commission. It's just amazing that Republicans would be against something that's so good for Americans and also uh, be against something that is good for business. Exactly. A lot of businesses reply, uh, rely on that neutrality. Yep. And, um, especially internet-based businesses. Almost every single business in this industry is internet-based, and we rely on 
everyone in this industry relies on an open internet. Yeah. And, and, well, the only ones are the only ones that are going to benefit from getting rid of net neutrality are the big, uh, uh, are the big, um, ISPs. Yeah. Those internet service providers, you know, they say they're for, you know, supporting other companies that rely on their broadband infrastructures, but you know, it, it's still at the end of the day, they're still businesses. So they want to turn profit and, you know, restricting internet speed, throttling, censoring content mm-hmm. that just, that's profitable for them, unfortunately. Unfortunately. So what have you learned so far about this industry? Pretty much everything I've said, um, you know, I've been learning the the different factions, I should say, you know, the types of people, uh, the feelings on uh, uh, tube sites, feelings on, you know, content piracy. And I'm learning a lot of uh, the, you know, the internal. Um, my main thing is I'm not trying to be like a controversial lightning bolt or anything like that. I'm just l- trying to learn about the controversies in the industry that continue to impact fellow members, you know, why people don't partake with certain studios or student certain uh, genre of film or something like that, or, um, you know, just the general uh, intricacies of the internal politics of the industry, but also the external that's impacting the internal and making things more complicated, easier, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of what happens when you try and learn a subculture or an entire new industry in general, you know, corporate culture, is not just relegated to individual businesses. It's it's definitely seen across an entire industry. And in my time just covering media and all that, it's just you you learn a lot about people. You learn a lot about different types of people, a lot of different types of actors in an industry or a mm-hmm. certain space. Has anything surprised you that you've learned? Um, actually, no. Um, I I knew that. You know, this industry was 100% professional. You know, all the accusations of, you know, porn being this gigantic conspiracy hmm. of, you know, you know, you know, the stupid QAnon conspiracies or whatever about sure. porn or some shit like that. You know, I know none of that was true. And one thing that I've learned just working in my field as a journalist and as a uh, communicator is that, you know, you got to always have to keep keep an open mind when you're interacting with people even if it's something you're familiar with but you know that's that's i've just learned that a lot of what the external forces against the industry say about the industry are not true and that's a hundred percent true i know i'm kind of preaching to the choir here but sure it just you know it, it i i'd like to say it again i like to be one of the thousands in this industry who say that none of what say like an organization like enco says about porn Hmm. or at Citizen or whatever they're called, um, isn't true. You know, it's not this giant criminal enterprise or anything hmm. like that. It's hmm. people who believe in sex positivity, people who believe in, you know, free speech and using, you know, what God gave them to not only make money, but to make other people happy and to make themselves happy. You know, it, it mm-hmm. that's the way I see it. So, right. Well, in many cases, you just have to consider the source, and in the case of those sources, you can pretty much guess that anything they say is going to be a lie. Exactly. <laughs> um, is there any type of journalism you haven't done that you'd like to do? I really want to get into uh, screenwriting for the mm. industry. I want to do. Obviously, it doesn't take too much to write a, a scene. <laughs> it's just uh, I'm really into uh, 
the lawn form erotica and the features Mm -hmm. and the parodies and all that. And where there is actually a storyline where there is a, a long form story, obviously with the sexualities, sexuality implied, Mm -hmm. but you know, I still really like dialogue. I like watching that, (laughs) like even, even that, like, you know, I don't, I don't just need to watch a clip or anything like that. I actually like watching the entire film because I like to appreciate what the filmmaker did especially with these feature films and these long form uh, narrative films that are coming out of the industry. You're like, I mean, there's not too many, right? Oh no. Well, there's a few. You're, you're like one of those guys who reads the articles in playboy. Oh yeah. I I do read the articles. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're a journalist. I'm not surprised. I I, I mean, you know, playboy, um, you know, they've, they've definitely gone different directions. But you know, oh, Playboys—they've—they've yeah. they've published all sorts of people, mm-hmm. you know. And Ian Fleming it was published in Playboy, I think. Don't quote me on that. You know, Ian Fleming—he's my favorite novelist. I love James Bond movies. I love the books. Mm-hmm. He was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to become a writer. Hmm. Um, so it's just like you know, <laughs> I like I like reading archives and stuff. Yes, I like you know the visual displays in these magazines but you know i i'd really do appreciate good wordsmiths and there are plenty in this industry sure now what other projects are you involved with and how are they coming along um uh there's this i'm i'm uh, working with a few uh folks on uh just some documentarian projects there's one project in particular that i'm uh, very excited about um I'm not going to give too much away, but it's a, um, it's the film for it's a, the documentary for a mutual friend of ours, hmm. um, and uh, I'm helping her uh, write the script and the screen, uh, the screenplay, uh, and I'm pretty much serving as like the proofreader and the uh, editor for her as she writes and we transition, hmm. you know, her book to the screen. So, so that's the one year. The most fired up about right now? Oh yeah, I'm most excited about that. You know, it it it. I you know, I'm pretty sure it's going to be very obvious who I'm talking about later in the interview. But yes, um, you know, uh, it's uh, it, it. I'm very excited about that project. She's she's nothing but a talent. Uh, great director, great um, great writer, uh, and you know, she's a great performer too. So you know, it it. I've learned a lot from her. I've learned a lot from the people involved with the project, and you know, I'm just excited for it. So. So let's talk about your recent writing for Why Not. Now, what stuck out to you while reporting some of these articles? Everybody's openness. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's pretty open in this industry um, to talk. Obviously, sometimes I'm just talking to people with pseudonyms or, you know, I'm talking to people who are just, you know, kicking me press releases or something like that. But everyone is pretty fantastic in their mm-hmm. own way you know um there are some people that uh i haven't spoken to yet but i want to and i want to get involved more in the industry you know i want to like i said i just want to enter i honestly see this being a long-term career for me mm-hmm. moving forward but it just everything i've noticed is just everyone's professionalism everyone's mutual respect for different points of view different approaches to projects and you know everyone's just been good you know, obviously you're going to have your bad actors in the industry and your workplace and all that. That's in for any industry, any office, but you know, everything's been positive so far for me. And 
I've I've learned like I said I, I've said this many times I've learned so much and it's been a hell of a ride and it's been so quick mm-hmm. but I'm so, just so happy I'm here and I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a pleasure on it's my an honor as actually. Well. Oh, wow. I like I like your podcast a lot. So well, thank you, know, you. It's it's an thank honor. You. So you know, <laughs> yeah. that makes me that makes me feel good. So you're the listener. Okay, that's good to that's oh, yeah. good to hear. I, I, love, I finally I, love I finally podcasts. talked to him. That's good. That's that's. <laughs> I good. love podcasts. Yeah. Oh sure. I listen to podcasts all the time. I like audio dramas. I like news podcasts. I like talk mm-hmm. shows like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I I listen to all sorts of podcasts. You know, even uh, foreign language podcasts and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I try and understand it with my. Uh, barely passable French and all that. So, you know, it's, it's uh, I like to, I like to learn. I like to read. I like to listen. Sure. So sure. Now you mentioned that there's some people you would in the industry you'd still like to interview. Who are they? I really want to definitely interview um, some of the superstars. Um, mm-hmm. I really would want to add, uh, interview uh, Natalie Mars. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Daisy Taylor, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're stunning performers. I think both of them are really taking the industry by storm and mm-hmm. showing that trans performance is just as sexy as you know regular. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't say that um, as a uh, you know straight and gay performance and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think that the trans presence in the industry has definitely grown. Oh, and sure. I'd like to talk to these those two heavyweights, several of them, just you know to learn. And mm-hmm. see where they th- feel the industry's going and all that, you know. Right, right. Now, you know, I completely get it. Now we've had some, uh, we've had some stars on on as well. Uh, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, I had, you know, I had Coral and on. I recently had Vicky <laughs> Vicky Vet on. And, oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, yeah. And Vicky was Vicky was fabulous. She's always fabulous. Everything she does. Um, okay, so. Uh, <laughs> Let's give your big secret away. Let's discuss your experience <laughs> with a Coral and Jewel and the four or five oh, days you spent oh, together. Um, <laughs> oh, that was. That and was, you know when you you know when it, you know and in the article you said you spent that much time there. I said okay, there's got to be something more involved here. So how yeah, was yeah. it? How was it to spend four or five days with uh, with our friend Coral and? Well, first off, uh, I come from a very small town in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I look out at, out of my office and I see mountains nice. uh, and you know, I, I hunt, I do all this, you know, I have a pretty outdoorsy, very quiet life mm-hmm. and I, you know, I've done big cities. I've done California. I've done all of it. Sure. But when <laughs> the four or five days I spent with Coraline, you know, um, it just, it was the great, it was just one of the most uh, exhilarating experiences I had. I I've ever had as a professional, you know, I learned so much from her um, mm-hmm. and obviously the secrets out. Uh, it was, it is a film. It is a project that Coraline's leading. It's based on her book, uh, her documentary, mm-hmm. um, you know, where the, when the ice melts. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, these four, I, uh, first off, you know, I fly out um, and I, I, I made this mistake of leaving the airport during a layover in Las Vegas. Mm. Um, I have family in Las Vegas. We have a home in Las Vegas, me and my wife. And I just had to go out and check, you know, I thought I'd be quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, I missed my flight. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> and, um, she was so pissed off at me. Um, but, um, I did booked another flight, but have in mind the I, the flight I booked was with Southwest airlines. Right. And that was when Southwest airlines 
had that gigantic um, failure for their Oops. weather software a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I my, I, my flight got delayed like five hours Oof. and I just ended up sleeping at my in-laws and then going back to the airport at like five in the morning. And then Coraline picked me up at like seven or eight and she was like, I'm so angry at you. We can talk when we get sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first day. Oh, how nice. <laughs> It great was start. Good. It was great. I can't. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine Corlin being angry at anybody. But uh, uh, but she. But she. I. 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 It was my fault, and I. I, sure. I owe her a lot for that. And you know, after that, we just started getting professional and doing mm-hmm. the work we needed to do. And you know, just spending time with her was definitely something else. Um, hmm. She is one of the most vibrant people I've met in this industry so far. Big time. Uh, one of the most vibrant people I've met in my life. Yep. And, uh, you know, just based on the story I wrote for, um, why not that describing great. that was great that thank you. Thank you. That got um, us, you know, that got us conversing and led to this interview. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, we were hanging out at, uh, the Harris, uh, Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, casino resort in Rikon, in on the Rikon Indian reservation kind of, outside mm-hmm. san diego and yep. you know i was able to finally get to like get her alone we can talk you know all that stuff we had fun we got I mean, of course we got drunk but i mean of it's course. just like it it was definitely worth the experience she she opened up to me i opened up to her and you know now we're good friends it, it's just one of those situations you know like we talk pretty often mm-hmm. we're still working on projects together she's sure. she's been uh I like to think that she's kind of been a mentor for me in this industry so far among others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's definitely been fun, but the entertainment of just being around her, you know, mm-hmm. her, her quirkiness, her, mm. her professionalism, her creativity, it was intoxicating and it, it was certainly uh, worthwhile to spend time with her. So. Yeah. I got to tell you the whole experience of doing the interview with her, and that's that's been the all of our contact except for some emails and some Skype messages. So we have yet to meet in person yet, like so many of us during the the pandemic. But uh, I just, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, she blows me away. You know the 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 question I asked, of course, was what do you do in your spare time? And uh, she's uh, she's a twenty four seven type of person for sure. Um, I know. Yeah, and I and I encourage people to go to Why Not. This isn't going to run until the fall, but I, I encourage people to to go to Why Not and uh, and search um, uh, in Michael's works for uh, for Corlin's article. Uh, it's yeah, fabulous. It's entitled "Hustling with Corlin Jewel." Yes, um, and you know, I think it well, it was pretty funny. Um, this video is on Corlin's OnlyFans. Uh, we were hanging out. Uh, in the hotel room before we went out to the casino floor. Mm-hmm. Well, we went to the casino floor, but we were really down. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then she started filming, complaining about how we were down. And then she turned the camera on me and she was like, what type of shoes are you wearing? I'm like, I'm wearing my slippers. <laughs> and she was like, my screenwriter is wearing his like his slippers on the uh, casino floor. No wonder we're having bad luck. And you know, just, I, I literally wore slippers on the casino floor because, you know, I just, I was tired and I didn't really think anything of it, but yep. you know, I just, I was like, Oh crap. Yeah. I should probably update <laughs> my, my, my uh, footwear. 
That's <laughs> you know? hilarious. Yeah, and there's a few other uh, inside jokes um, in the article if you haven't noticed. Um, oh yeah, that I can probably dig into more on a on a different date. But you know, mm-hmm. it's just it was it was fun. You know, I got a glimpse at her life. You know, she uh, put me up in her home. It was mm-hmm. very kind of her to let me stay with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had dinner. No, it was kind of fun, you know, just two yeah. two friends hanging out, working. Nice. I got to see where she hosts her Handy Panty podcast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you know, I learned about a lot of her upcoming projects um, outside of the film and the documentary work, and it it it, it just is. Like I said, it was worthwhile, very worthwhile, and cool. you know, if you ever get the chance to see her. Uh, in person, oh, yeah. definitely well, get her a drink. Oh yeah, we're gonna definitely get a chance to hang drink. out. She's already she's already <laughs> promised to come visit me, my wife and I in Thailand. So, uh, yeah, oh, that's we're, cool. We're that's looking cool. forward to that. I know I want my wife to meet her. I haven't even met her yet, but yeah, she's yeah. She well, my awesome. my wife wants to meet her too. So yeah, yeah, of it's course. just. <laughs> yeah, I was raving to my wife about her too. So there you go. Oh yeah. Okay, so let's talk about your coverage of Section Two Thirty in digital free speech. Section 230 is under attack. I mean, come on. I, I, you know, all the, all the legal blogs for the industry, all the lawyers in this industry, you know, they, they have some understanding of how important Section 230 is. Mm-hmm. Um, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996 is the so-called free First Amendment of the Internet. Yep. And everyone on this podcast knows it, it's a third-party liability shield to prevent platforms from getting sued for the actions of a few select bad apples that use their platform, right. bad users. But that ha- this law has permitted a self-regulatory, you know, environment, a self-regulatory um, approach for all digital companies. Just mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. like, just not just social media, but even like our sites in the industry. Right. You know, there's a lot of self-regulation in this industry, and it's owed to not just you know us wanting to be compliant and you know show that we're a responsible industry, but also just because it's Section 230 that provides the platforms and the owners of these platforms the tools and the legal cover to you know implement policies that support not only speech but also protect user base and cash flow. Mm-hmm. So it 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 section 230 is getting attacked because you know well during Trump you know he said oh section 230 is uh you know this terrible law it's it's terrible I might Trump's terrible um <laughs> terrible terrible uh, you know <laughs> almost almost sounds like Charles Barkley but anyway <laughs> terrible terrible <laughs> terrible Let's uh, just make section two thirty repeal, and it'll be great. <laughs> I can't, I can't do Trump, but um, it's just, just the attacks against section two thirty, um, coming from the left, the right, especially the religious right, mm. and you know the implementation of laws like Sesta Fasta. Yep. Um, you know it just it. There's just this sentiment in the political elite these days that you know, free speech isn't really free. And, you know, yep. I think one thing that is mixed up is that the first amendment protects us, the people from censorship from the government. Right. And it's exactly, it's exactly what they're doing. What they're, what exactly they're doing is they're trying to repeal section two thirty, and they're trying to censor. That's exactly what the first amendment of the constitution 
protects us from. Yes. And, you know, you know the court cases. I know the court cases. I, everyone in this industry should be aware, aware that courts at every single level in American governance, all the way to the high court, the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. has at least confirmed that Section 230 is protected uh, under the First Amendment and mm-hmm. uh, is this important law to the, the growth and acceleration of internet technology, free speech, communication through the internet, everything like that. It just it it, it it's just being trampled. Now. Yeah. And I I rarely try and comment on the the pain of some of the larger players in this industry, but I mean like all these bogus lawsuits against the tube sites, you know the Nicholas Kristoff stories. Oh. Obviously, there's there's probably some evidence of like abuse by a third party user who used these platforms for bad and evil. Yeah. But you know you can't just blame the platform. You have to right. consider the fact that. You know, these platforms do everything they can to have compliant businesses. Yes, absolutely. And even, you know, even Pornhub, who, you know, the MindGeek people and who own Pornhub and all the other big or most of the other big tubes, they've been very, very dil- diligent, uh, diligent. I can, I can talk. They've been very di- <laughs> diligent about, uh, hey, and you're the one smoking pot, um, about. Um, it's medicinal. Yeah, of course. <laughs> about keeping, about keeping, uh, you know, kids and, and other, um, you know, negative things off of, <laughs> out of their content. And, you know, much more so than Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or anybody else, yet the Canadian government goes after them after this bogus series of articles by Kristoff, who yeah, I, I canceled my, uh, my subscription to the New York Times after the second article. You know, um, it's kind of sad. Um, and this is coming from a journalist who's learned from a lot of great journalists. Mm-hmm. I think Nicholas Kristoff is a good journalist. Well, he was, <laughs> but, um, you know, he got into this. Was. Yeah. He was, he has Pulitzer prize prizes for his reporting in war zones yep. and Darfur. You know, he has all of this foreign correspondence experience Sure, and he's done so much for, you know, this field of journalism, but you know, he bought into the alarmism of, the anti-porn right. and anti-trafficking quote-unquote groups right. so easily. And I, 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 it just makes me sad to see that. Well, NCOSC got through to him. And, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, they basically own him now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, it's um, you know, it's just, well, it is sad. And, you know, I think he didn't do his due diligence as a journalist to even mm-hmm. reach out to industry uh, groups like the Association of Sites Advocating Child Protection. Yep. Um, you know, that's a great org. You know, it's yes. it's literally a chamber of commerce that works to promote the RTA banner. Yeah. Um, the, and it's fully uh, su- and it's fully supported by our industry. Yeah, and they even have a they even have they even work with the Department of Justice. They have yep. a reporting line, all this stuff. And oh, yeah, I you know, know, the guy, know the guy that owns it uh, runs it very well. Yeah, I interviewed um it's uh Mr. Henning. Um, yes. Yeah, I interviewed him um, a while back uh, for why not for an article, basically where I said I asked him like, did Nicholas Kristoff ever reach out to your group? And he said no. And of he said not. he'd be welcome. He'd welcome him with open arms yeah. to give him a look at what they do. Sure. And it just it it just it it's just sad because you know 
I haven't seen anything like that yet coming from Mr. Kristoff, and it's it's unfortunate. He's he has this history of being a tremendous journalist, tremendous author, but, but he he just he's kind of proving to be you know, a lackey for the anti-porn movement. Exactly. So what do you think is the biggest policy issue facing the industry and indie adult content creators right now? Well, uh, it's that's a big question. Um, hmm. Definitely Section 230 mm-hmm. um, and net neutrality, but that's that's pretty top level, very broad. But, you know, if we want to get into individual issues, you know, deplatforming mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, how vanilla platforms Vanilla social networks just treat, you know, performers profiles just like they're terrorists or something like that. And that's <laughs> not, that's not right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you, you have the leader of like what a terrorist group on Twitter, but I can't even follow my favorite porn stars on Twitter. Yep. So, you know, that doesn't make too much sense to me. So it, yep. it, that to me is probably one of the bitter issues facing the industry. And that in itself is definitely something that needs to be done company to company industry to industry and mm-hmm. uh it's just unfortunate because you know you know twitter is kind of twitter as a platform for example is kind of succumbing to this pressure of the anti-session 230 people mm-hmm. and all that and you know we can't even share our articles from why not.com on facebook because mm. it's blocks like they say it's um uh like harmful or something like that or potentially harmful <laughs> i can't even post my articles on my facebook page so it just it it's just it's so it's just so arbitrary and it kind of kind of it just sucks you know <laughs> i really yeah. could go on i don't want to sound like i'm ranting but that honestly yeah. feels like the biggest issue okay. and that definitely kind of involves in the politics and the policy of course aspects of everything of course so what are your aspirations moving forward ooh another big question <laughs> That's right. i i just want to get more involved you know um i'm going to stick to doing what i'm doing um, now, I mean, I'm in a happy place, Sure, but you know, I still got bills to pay and you know, mm-hmm. this is work, but you know, career aspirations or anything like that. I, I do see a long-term career in this space or on this news beat or something like mm-hmm. that, or getting more involved, uh, with, uh, you know, the creative side of things. I really do. Like I said, I really love writing. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, writing my own fiction novel right now. So, you oh, know, nice. I just, I want to, uh, I just want to offer my talents and services to people in the industry that I feel I can mesh with, who I can get along with, who I can work with, who I can be friends with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, you know, have that mutual respect and uh, mutual understanding and respect for feedback and creativity. And I just, that's all that one. I just want to be more involved. It's, I, I really don't have anything more complicated than that. I don't have like a, set goal or a set studio I want to work with or anything. And I don't necessarily want to perform myself either. It's just, <laughs> I want to, you know, I just want to be creative, you know? Okay. So what do you like to do uh, when you're not riding? Um, I am a very avid uh, kayaker. Mm. Um, I live near three lakes. Wow. I go fishing almost every day. <laughs> um, I like to do that, but uh, I like traveling. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, yeah. And uh, I am a big fan of video games. Trust me. Like I, <laughs> I, uh, and comic books. So I'm a, I got, I'm a nerd uh, in real life. I, mm-hmm. I have uh, over 2000 uh, copies of Marvel star Wars comics. Wow. And uh, I, 
I do cosplay. So does my wife and all that. So, you know, we're, we're, we're nerds. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we like to do that. And we, I, I'm obsessed with like procedural cop dramas. So I like watching law and order on repeat. So, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I know almost every line of law and order SVU, like, like the back of my hand, I've watched that series so many times. <laughs> um, and it's just like, I, I like to do that. And I, you know, I just, I like to write like personal stuff and, um, just doing, having fun, you know, I, I, I'm happy to say that, uh, a lot of my personal interests are also my professional interests. So I can do things that I like to do for fun and get paid for it. So, um, you know, it's, and I want to keep it that way or try to keep it that way. So, you know, I, I, I think I have a healthy marriage of personal life and professional life for you. Pretty nice. And, Hey, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> exactly. Well, Michael, I'd like to thank you again for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk, and I hope we'll get a chance to do this again soon. Of course. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks, everybody. It was an honor being here, and you know, um, I'm pretty open, too. If you ever get my email or anything, just message me or something. You know, I, I, I usually write back pretty quickly. <laughs> you do. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Bruce. My broker tip today is part two of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Keep your website design up to date. Do a redesign from time to time. People will tend to think your site is the same as ever and click out of it without even looking if something doesn't change. So keep it fresh and up to date. Times change, so should your website. Look at what your competitors are doing and see what it is you really like. Emulate success. If you know a site to be particularly successful, look at what it is they're doing and do some of the same things. I'm not saying copy it. I'm just suggesting you improve your site by looking around a bit. You've got to keep up with the times or you're going to end up being left behind. Also, keep an eye on your competition and make sure you're offering everything on your site that they are or more. Don't just look at their design, but make sure your offers are good and you're competitive. The same goes for your content. Do you ever wonder why one site does well and others don't? Check out the competition's content. What are they doing that you're not doing? Be willing to make changes. People can't understand why they're losing sales to a competitor, yet the competitor is clearly doing everything better. Emulate success. Make sure everything on your website works well. Make sure all your links work properly. Check them on a regular basis. If things don't work, you're going to lose customers. People are not patient these days. People's attention spans are like that of a gnat. They click out immediately and go on to the next result in Google if they don't find what they're looking for. If the site is hard to navigate or if things don't work. Check all your internal scripts and plugins and make sure they're updated regularly as well. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And... Next week, we'll be talking to Morgan Summer of Live Jasmine and Dockler Group. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Michael McGrady. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman. <laughs>